010131, Sunday the 4th of July 2021, you are listening to Crash, the UK Geek Podcast. I have recorded one episode before this, and this is the second of those back-to-back episodes. This is now episode 392 in which we are going to be talking about the Doctor Who classic story, The Sunmakers, from 1977. So here we are again. I just ate the rest of my crisps and watched MQS on YouTube. Man, how many subscribers does that guy have? But he is so good. Time to recharge on this unnamed energy drink. Don't do that at home. Don't drink into the mic. Absolutely disgusting habit. And certainly don't slam your can down on the desk. Let us begin with the state of the rewatch. First of all, I want to thank everybody who has been sending me feedback. We now have enough for a listener mail section at the end of this week's pod, which is something that very rarely happens, although it's been happening more recently, mainly because I've been begging people for feedback. Although, I did that before, and that largely fell on deaf ears. Maybe I've just happened upon the right set of fans. You probably started listening recently as a result of my direct tweet to you about a Doctor Who story I was covering in the pod, but I'll only do that tweet once. Even though I may have broken that rule already, I usually only tweet a show once and then maybe retweet that show a couple of times on Twitter, that is the norm, as I don't want to span other Whovians who have no intention of listening to my pod. But if you are a Whovian who has no intention of listening to my pod, what the hell is wrong with you? If you want to continue listening, you'll have to subscribe to the podcast. While you can follow me on Twitter, and that is nice for my self-esteem, it is an inferior option, as I usually tweet the episode hours, if not a day, after the episode actually goes live via my RSS feed. If you're subscribed, you'll get them the moment I upload. As usual, I will tweet this podcast, the one you're listening to right now, out to a new group of listeners as soon as I finish editing and uploading. Those listeners will be people who last mentioned the Doctor Who story I'm covering, in this case, The Sunmakers. The next item is... I mispronounced Gestalt many times in pod... 390, when we talked about Image of the Fendal. I am so sorry about that. This is a solo podcast. If I mispronounce something or get something wrong, there is no one to correct me. There are no 
safety lines. There isn't a safety net. I'm flying solo, and sometimes I fly solo right into the side of Geek Mountain. Yes, that is a reference from The Big Bang Theory. Talking of Image of the Fandal, which we covered in 390, the director of that story was a chap called George Spenton Foster, of whom I knew little then, so I looked him up. George Spenton Foster also directed Doctor Who's The Rybos Operation from 1978, and several episodes of Blake 7 in 1978, and those were Weapon, Pressure Point, Voice from the Past, and Gambit. And this last thing is not geek-related, but it's funny, so I thought I'd include it. He was set to work on Brookside, which is a UK soap opera, but he left four days before its first broadcast because of crude language in the script. Man, that is a guy sticking by his guns. <laughs> oh, he decided to lose a job over that. The Sunmakers is also one of those stories I remember re-watching a few years ago on the Horror Channel's selective re-airing of classic Doctor Who stories. Before we move on to talking about the Sunmakers, Happy Independence Day! Yes, hello Americans! Congratulations again for having thrown off the yoke of empire. And let's move on to some notes about the Sunmakers. The fourth Doctor was played by Tom Baker. His companions were Leela, played by Louise Jameson, and K-9, played by John Leeson. Imagine having to play a robot dog for years. The director of the Sunmakers was Pennant Roberts. A bit about Pennant Roberts now. John Pennant Roberts... Born 1940, died 2010, directed BBC programmes including Doomwatch, Survivors, Blake 7 and Doctor Who, and also was responsible for casting Louise Jameson as Leela after he previously interviewed her for a role in Survivors. And by the way, Doomwatch, Survivors, Blake 7, all excellent British sci-fi that I highly recommend that you watch. Survivors and Blake 7 in particular had a huge effect on me. The writer of The Sunmakers was Robert Holmes, the producer Graham Williams. Regarding locations, this was a studio shot story filmed at BBC Television Centre Studios. TC3 and TC6 at Shepherd's Bush. The Sunmakers was story 095 or serial 4 of season 15, comprising of four 25 minute episodes, first broadcast from the 26th of November to the 17th of December 1977, and follows Image of the Fendal, which we covered in pod. 390. Let us once again do our zeitgeisty section. 
and tell you what happened on the day of the first broadcast. So many times in the past, it has been a real stretch for me to find anything at all of interest, but not today. Oh no. On this day of Saturday, the 26th of November, 1977, at 17.10, a news presenter called Andrew Gardner was presenting the ITN News on ITV's Southern Television 55 minutes before Doctor Who on a different channel, BBC One, when the video became distorted and the audio was interrupted by a voice calling itself Vrillon. This voice, Vrillon, claimed to be a representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command. Vrillon spoke for about six minutes or so, the speech mentioned the very 70s, Age of Aquarius, and encouraged the human race to seek world peace or else court disaster. If you are a connoisseur of conspiracy theory, you will immediately recognize Vril from the 1871 science fiction novel The Coming Race by Edward Bulwer Lytton that unintentionally sprouted several subsequent conspiracy theories, including some favoured by, well, there's no polite way of saying this, Nazis. You can read more about that incident in an article from The Independent. I have put a link in the show notes, but I'm sure you'll find it if you can't be bothered to read the show notes. You can also watch several low-quality copies of the recording on YouTube, which are usually badly adulterated by poor editing, watermarks, extra content, and other nonsense that unfortunately vandalizes the original content. Whatever the source of the hack, and surely this was a hack and not... Vrillon, a representative from the Ashtar Galactic Command. I personally know Vrillon, and he would never stoop to a prank such as this. Only kidding. Am I, though? Am I kidding? Surely this qualifies as one of the earliest TV signal hijacks, predating the Max Headroom broadcast by several years. I was thinking about this earlier tonight, and I'm fairly convinced that this was an inside job, because someone had to know the schedule, someone had to know the signal strength they would need to overcome, and apparently that signal strength didn't have to be very high, but it's the sort of technical knowledge that you would need to hack this signal, and this was before the internet, I'm guessing an inside job. If you were the voice of Vrillon, get in touch. (laughs) Tell me about the prank. Or if you are actually Vrillon of the Ashtar Galactic Command, call in and tell me if you think that your words had any effect on the future destiny of humankind.
Either way, I'd like to hear from you. Enough of that, and let's move on to what happens in the Sunmakers. In the Sunmakers, we are in the far future. The Earth has become uninhabitable, and so humanity has colonised the planets Mars, and Pluto has been made habitable by artificial suns. On Pluto, a chap called Cordo is forced to pay an unexpectedly huge bill, something that I have recent experience of. Listen to pod 391. And the reason he has such a large bill is that his father recently died, and that money aided in his father's passing. This bill is issued by a tax gatherer called Gatherer Hade, who works for the company that runs Pluto through the evil collector. Cut to the TARDIS, where the Doctor is losing a game of chess to K9, much to his displeasure. We all know the Doctor's got a huge ego. Back on Pluto, with no means to pay this extortionate bill, Cordo attempts to throw himself from the roof of the city, but is saved from his suicide attempt by the Doctor and Leela, whose TARDIS materialises nearby. The Doctor learns about the situation, about the greatly exploitative model of capitalism gone mad, and follows Cordo down to the lightless depths of the Undercity, wherein they meet a group of criminals and outcasts. The leader of this gang, Mandrill, forces the Doctor to defraud an ATM with a fake device and threatens the Doctor that if he does not, Mandrill and his gang will kill Leela. Back to the TARDIS, where K-9 has been left behind. Getting a bit fed up of waiting around, K-9 decides to exit, bad dog, and tries to find the Doctor, but his movements are tracked. At the ATM, an alarm is tripped, and the Doctor is trapped behind a plexiglass wall prison and rendered unconscious by knockout gas inside the machine. He awakens in the correction centre, but is later released by Gatherer Hade with a concealed tracker on his person. Meanwhile, Leela, Cordo and K-9 attempt to rescue the Doctor, but Leela is shot in the head. The Doctor returns to the outcasts and learns of Leela's fate. He manages to convince the gang to fight back and take control of the PCM-producing plant, where a chemical PCM that induces fear is pumped into the air supply of the colony and prevents the workers from revolting. Gatherer Hades' boss and the ruler of Pluto, the Collector, 
orders Leela's execution by steaming. But at the last moment, she is saved from an awful death by the Doctor. As the PCM levels die down, Mandrill's revolutionaries spread propaganda and the revolution spreads. Gatherer Hade is outraged that workers are heading for the roof because daylight is a privilege of the elite, so he confronts them on the roof. The triumphant mob, unsurprisingly, turns against him. They grab him, escort him to the side, and pitch him from the roof. The Doctor and Leela infiltrate the Collector's Palace and discover that the Collector is, in fact, an alien disguised as a human. As Cordo and the Rebels attack the Collector's Palace, the Collector loses his human form (laughs) and shrinks to a green blob that plops down a hole in his travel chair which the Doctor plugs. In a final scene on the roof of the city complex, where the Doctor has left the TARDIS, the Doctor suggests to the revolutionaries that they should return to the planet Earth, which has, after such a long time, become habitable again. As they leave, the Doctor deliberately jolts the TARDIS to throw K-9 off his game of chess. What did I think? Let's do that now. Cliché it may be, but this is all about death and taxes. The company world is something we see in the Alien franchise and is written about in Alan Dean Foster's tie-in novelizations. And in his expanded universe of the company, that reaches out to include his other novelizations of films like Pale Rider, if you remember back to that Clint Eastwood western. On the subject of company-run societies, I actually lived and worked as the museum curator of an ex-mining company town in the Canadian Badlands, so I am in a position to know that company towns with company shops and so on are an incredibly crooked and exploitative practice. It is not difficult to see why revolutionary communist-backed unions like the Mine Workers Union of Canada and its counterparts in the USA existed. The Sunmakers is a story that is very relevant today, with capitalist entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos setting their sights on Mars. The Collector even looks like Bezos. (laughs) Imagine a Mars run by for-profit corporations. Do we want to be literally paying through the nose for air? This is Total Recall, man. Moving on to something else. 
We are also told of the terraforming of cold Pluto by artificial suns, but are not further elucidated as to how that is accomplished. I do wish we were, though. I think that, frankly, a show like Doctor Who could really do with a massive injection of hard science fiction. Something that, to this day, we still don't see in Doctor Who. And I do hope that a future showrunner who is listening to this, they are not, but one can hope, will take that on board and include some hard science fiction for fans like me. Because it is a pity that we set up all these fantastic scenarios and then really don't explain them at all. Doctor Who was originally meant to entertain and educate children and children of all ages. Even children who are really too old to still be children. So let us try doing that. Hard science fiction, please. Gatherer Hades Henchwoman is a character called Marn, played by an actress called Jonina Scott. Jonina Scott reminds me strongly of an ex-student I had. I remember her coming to my class with an emerald the size of a bird's egg hanging from a thick, high-carat gold chain. She was quite a character. I can't remember her name. Wouldn't it be really cool if that was Jonina Scott? I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. Am I sure? Surely not. Hmm... I've been doing this too long. It's affecting my mind. Moving on to the next thing. One of the nasty Undercity cutthroats is played by none other than Michael Keating, who would go on to play the equally criminal but cowardly Villa Restall in Blake 7, one of my favourite characters. It is weird to see him playing a tough guy in this, It is very jarring because he is only a year away from playing a criminal but very different character. As we're talking about Blake 7, the drugged air supply in The Sunmakers reminds me strongly of the episode of Blake 7 entitled Traitor, in which Federation subjects are dosed with a chemical called Pylene 50 to keep them docile and compliant. Gatherer Hade insults the apparently oblivious collector by disguising slurs as groveling compliments to comedic effect. At various stages, he addresses the collector as your monstrosity, your corpulence, your grossness, and no doubt other insults too. The ruler of Pluto, the Collector, is played as a hammy villain by his distinguished actor and Harold Pinter collaborator Henry Wolfe. I must say his face is very familiar from something on the small screen, but 
I just can't remember what I last saw him in. Interestingly, he moved to Canada and stayed there. I moved to Canada and came back. Moving on to Tom Baker. Tom Baker does his usual ad-libs. And these are starting to become a little irritating to me. Some of his ad-libs have no discernible creative reason, or none that I can fathom, and are only there for grabbing the attention of the camera. We see this when he pretends to lose the cash withdrawal device at the ATM. I bet if you asked him, he would say that he's demonstrating the doctor's eccentric absent-mindedness. Yeah, that's what it is, Tom. Sure it is. And by the way, I am a Tom Baker fan, but he does love the camera. In The Sunmakers, towards the end, the Doctor does his hypnotism trick with its usual comedic consequences. This time, he inadvertently sends Leela off to Nodland. I'm surprised he didn't also send me off to sleep at that point having a weaker human mind. Or at least mostly human. I suspect I am human. Am I human? Like I said, doing this podcast for this long can start to make you lose your mind. Let's move on to something else before this gets even weirder. The Sunmakers sees the return of the sonic screwdriver when the Dr. Sonics opened the collector's vault we find out that the Doctor is better at leading a revolution than Leela. While we see Leela winning hearts, we see the Doctor winning hearts and minds. Well, he's been around for a longer time. He's charismatic. He's authoritative in a weirdly anarchistic way. Regarding Leela, is she becoming kinder and nicer as the series progresses? While still being more than willing to gut everyone she meets? At one point, she threatens to fillet someone and split someone else. There is also a scene where she is absolutely delighted with a gun-toting violence until she is shot in the head. Leela is fantastic. Leela is also starting to practice her manipulative skills on poor K9, just as she does with a doctor. She does this by twisting K9 around her little finger because K9 is constantly seeking praise. Though, to be fair, she is also very fond of the robot. Moving on to trivia, the last thing today, tonight, this morning. A Radio Times article that I read states that The Sunmakers is Louise Jameson's favourite episode, though I have read elsewhere that she was unhappy with her character development. Who knows? If I can ever be bothered to ask Louise Jameson, any of those questions, and I have the opportunity, maybe I'll do that. But again, at this stage, so many years after that, 
retrospectively looking back at things through rose-tinted spectacles, as a lot of these actors and creatives do. Who knows what useful information we could find out now. That is it for my little recap of my re-rewatch of Doctor Who The Sunmakers from 1977. Hope you enjoyed that. Now let us move on to something else. Yes, because we have not finished. We are almost 40 minutes into this. Well, 38 minutes, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37 seconds. Now let us move on to listener comments. It is nice to have comments for a change. Regarding image of the Fendal, Greg Cox, at Greg R. Cox on Twitter, says, One of my favourite Tom Baker stories, and the final story of my personal golden age, which started with Evil of the Daleks. I love the Hammer horror feel to it, it's got some great lines in it, and wonderful acting Love it. He also agrees with me about how Dennis Wheatley-like image of the Fandal was. Moving on to another commenter, this time Charles Winford Lodge at 2HRTV, who says, It's a very Nigel Neal type of story, most notably Quatermass and the Pit. Moving on to our next commenter, Salty Space Girl, that's G-R-R-R-L, at Salty G-R-R-R-L, says, Another classic, Massive Computer Banks, Secret Lab, Haunted Woods, Alien Body Snatcher, and Witches. I give a gold star to episodes that terrified me as a child. I still remember those Medusa eyes. Most memorable line, Doctor addressing Skull, Would you like a jelly baby? Salty Space Girl also goes on to say, So many memorable lines, and this, Don't kill him, Leela. Why not? It would upset the dog. Salty Girl also agreed with me about how Canine is more lethal and just as willing to kill as Leela with his nose blaster. On to the next comment from Pablo at Metallico Pablo. I received this comment via email. Hi Roy, Pablo here. First time commenting. Congratulations on your podcast, especially since not many people delve into the classic era of Doctor Who. I really like your style and dedication. Thank you, Pablo. Regarding this story, I really like the crazy ways of this Doctor, at least during the first seasons, especially towards the end of this story when complimenting Leela's new dress. I also appreciate the panspermia theory behind the main plot 
connecting the ancient skull to the development of human civilization. Exploring some of the Time Lord's mythology was also a good point for me. However, character development was not at its highest, and sometimes I didn't feel that the plot was entirely coherent. Especially all that cult and deus ex machina point of Fendelman being a man of the Fendal. Four parts seemed too much for me. Good luck with the car selection and best regards, Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. He's obviously listening to these pods because he knows that I'm trying to get a new car at the moment and this isn't the best time to look for a new car. I'm digressing once more. Thanks for reminding me about the panspermia theory that is mentioned during this story and I'm not sure that I <laughs> remembered that and included it in my own analysis of the image of the Fandal. Unfortunately, the Doctor doesn't really carry forward that thought and explain any further. It's just a bit of a dead end in the script, which is a pity because it sounds very interesting and it is very Quatermass-like. Because I watch so much Doctor Who, not just classic Who, but new Who, and the entire new Who series is available on the Beebs iPlayer. As if classic Doctor Who isn't enough, I <laughs> repeatedly watch certain episodes. One of those is Fugitive of the Jadoon. That is the one where Jodie Whittaker comes face to face with a previous incarnation of hers that she didn't know about before. Pablo goes on to say regarding that, Oh, good episode. I never get tired of watching it. Very confusing, though, for all the Ruth's Doctor thing. Yeah, Pablo, you and me both, I never get tired of watching it either. I do hope that they continue with that storyline because it is fascinating and something new and something we haven't seen on the series before. Thanks for all those interesting and lovely comments. Keep them coming, otherwise I feel like those poor guys running Corrupt FM in People Just Do Nothing. Oh wow, this was a longer show than usual. Definitely need another sip of drink. Mm. Oh, a bit sour. Oh. That is generally it for this week's show. I just want to re-emphasize that I still need your help. I do this podcast because I'm a talkative geek, but that doesn't mean I don't need support. If you can afford to tip me a few pounds, please visit roymator.com slash podcast.html hash support. 
If you can't afford to do this, and that is perfectly understandable, we're in a pandemic after all, and even if we weren't in a pandemic, people are not always in a position to help, even with a small tip. You can also leave me a review, subscribe to the podcast, tell friends about the show, or send in an interesting comment, like those people did this week. Any of those things are free, it helps me grow the show, and motivates me to continue, which is probably the most important thing of all. And now, I have been taping for more than two hours, I'm absolutely buggered. So perhaps it is time to end the show. The show that you've just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com, R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. If you feel I've mispronounced my own name, be sure to get in touch as well. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or a mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. You were listening to the unfortunately titled Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the Culture Geek, Technology Nerd and Creative Wizard. This was episode 292, Recorded on Sunday, the 4th of July, 2021. And the time at the end of the show is... Oh my god, I'm so exhausted. 0158.28 Thanks for listening, everyone. And finally, bye-bye for now. Bye. And now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and slump on the sofa and decompress. Ah...